0: and we all support, we all pray for one another. But our role as church leadership is to model the local believers into a biblically functioning body of Christ. And we work together to achieve the same goal. Despite our differences, we serve one another and those that are not here yet. Amen. Amen. Very good. All right. Well, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to the book of Exodus. And we're going to be in different places this morning, but um, let's let's look in Exodus Chapter uh, 17, Let's, we're going to start there this morning. Um, so we're in our series, I Love My Church. We're doing small groups on I'm a Church Member, and we just kind of just, just put those together, and it's been really rich for our church. I tell you, this is, this is really a gr- great growing time for us. And, and so, so first of all, we've discovered what, what, what it means to love your church and to love your church means it's that you, you, don't, you don't you're not ha- it's not about having an affection for your building it's not about having affection for a program it's about having love for one another everybody say amen it's that it's that we are the church you people are the church and so Jesus said that that people will know who you are by your love one to another so we love each other and we're not talking about the kind of love that you that you when you go into a restaurant and you love the service you love the food you love what someone does for you No, we're talking about the kind of love that is genuine, that is a giving love, giving of yourself. Right, everybody? And we also know that when we love our church, that means that we're going to be functioning. That means we're going to be unified. That's how we show our love, is that we're functioning, is that we're selfless. We covered that last week. We take our gifts, and we know that our gifts isn't for us, that our gifts are for each other. God's given us superpowers. He's given us gifts so that we can win the world of Jesus. We can win the world to Jesus Christ. That's why we have the gifts. We have our gifts to be an encouragement to each other, to love each other. Whatever your gift is, whatever that superpower is, so what we're to do with them? They're not for us to boast in. And 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 when we lack one that someone else has that we like, it, and we don't, we're not jealous of someone else. We're thankful for what God has given us, and we use it for the glory of Jesus Christ. You know what I've noticed? That people will gain different gifts as they go in their life. They may not have had a certain gift at a certain point when they started, but God sometimes adds gifts to our to our lives. Amen? So we always want to be trying new things. Now, this morning, we also see that, um, that unified, functioning, selfless church. Um, now we're going to add one more to it. And, and you'll see it tonight in your small group, or this week, whenever your small group is. And it's about being prayerful. And more directly, it that I will pray for my spiritual leaders. Now, you know, this morning, I, I, I you know, I, I, I sensed a really good spirit, and boy, I, I like that, and and um, and I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's here with us. Everybody, say Amen. Now. Um, the Bible says that there's only one way to please God. Can you tell me what that one way is? Anybody? What's what's the one thing that pleases God? Say it say it louder over here. Faithful, being faithful. That's right. And being faithful is what being obedient to God. Now, where do we get where, where, how do we know to be obedient to God? It's through God's word. And so we believe God's word for what it says and for what it is, and we believe that this is our absolute truth. And so if we as a church, if we're going to please God, if we're going to honor God, then we're going to believe his word. It's not about my experiences and what works for me, but it's what the word of God says, and I'll apply that to my life, and I will believe it, and I will trust in it. Everybody say amen. Now, God wants us to be a church and to be known for our love. And we need to love our church. We love each other. We're functioning. We're unified. We're selfless. And today we're going to see that we need to be a church that is prayerful. Now, I have to confess to you this morning that I was a bit apprehensive about this subject today. You know, I kind of felt uncomfortable about preaching on this particular topic because I am intimately part of this scope. So, you know... It's kind of uncomfortable uncomfortable for me to preach. You know, everybody, Paisley, pray for me. You know, pray for me. Pray for your poor pastor. But then, but then, but then I got to research and reading in the scripture. And over and over and over and over again, whether they're the prophets of the Old Testament or the apostles of the New Testament, they always ask for people to pray for them. And so this morning, I want us to see that if we're going to be a church that loves each other, if we're going to be the church that God will have us to be, we need to be a church that first of all is a prayerful, prayerful church, that we pray for each other, we'll pray for, for God to be doing his things here, but that we're also a church that we show our love by praying for our, for our leaders of Cornerstone Baptist Church. Everybody, listen, if we're going to be obedient and we're going to show our love correctly, then we're going to be a church that prays for our leaders in our church. That means we're going to pray for our staff. That means that we're going to pray for those who hold, you know, an office, our deacons, our trustees, our Sunday school teachers, those in any kind of leadership. We have the responsibility to lift those people up in prayer. It's not an option. It's our responsibility. And so you know, if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be, we need to be a church that lifts up our leaders, and that's what my research shows and, and what God's Word says. So you, you should be turned to Exodus chapter 17, and before we get to that, um, I, I want to give you a, a little funny, okay? All right, everybody everybody, everybody, smile a little bit, okay? You, you know, we, you you're kind of tensed up this morning a little bit. You're, I think you're scared I'm going to fire some darts at you here this morning, but uh, but I'm loosen loosen. Hey, be quiet over there, Heckler. But um, um, but loosen up, loosen up. I don't know what you said. We'll we'll talk after church. <laughs> I'll poison your food. S-sever- several several y- years ago, a um, couple of guys, rednecks, I I, I assume, they kind of put together a list here, and and they kind of put it after Foxworthy fellow that did "You're a Redneck, if. But they did they did a thing that that's, that um um um. Uh, you, you might be a preacher if. So here, so here's, so here's some out of that book, okay? You might be a preacher if. You might be a preacher. You might be a preacher if you've ever received an anonymous U-Haul gift certificate. <laughs> <laughs> now, you better laugh at that one because they get worse from here, okay? <laughs> you might, you might be a preacher. If you find yourself counting people at a sporting event, you know, preachers are always big about counting and usually doubling or adding numbers to them. And, you know, how many you got? I, I don't, I've never done that, you know. Um, I don't, really, I don't. Um, I just guess. Someone said, how many people have on Sunday? <laughs> oh, we had about 300. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding around. See, if I don't count, then I'm not lying. I'm just kidding around. Um um, you know, but seriously, I'd rather, I'd rather be a pastor of a church of 100 people that's strong and on fire for Jesus Christ than be a pastor of one of a 1,000, and then to see that 100 duplicate and see people saved. Because, you see, the ultimate goal of this local church is not to keep the truth and our gifts in sight for us. It's to get out there and win people to Jesus. That's what we said last week. I mean... It's not a secret that Jesus Christ is the Savior, but a lot of Christians, they treat it that way. Let me ask you, how many people did you witness to this week? See? See? I witnessed to about five. And I didn't because, not just because I'm the preacher, because God's Word tells me to. People are dying and going to hell. Come on. All right. More jokes. I'm sorry, now I got all serious. All right. Okay, they only get worse from here, okay? Uh, um, you might be a preacher if you wish, and I, and I don't like this one. I'm laughing, but I don't like this one. You might be a preacher if you wish that someone would steal some of your sheep. That's you. That's you out there. I didn't write this. It's come out of the book. I never do that. Um, you might be a preacher if you ever walked up into the counter of Dairy Queen and ordered a church split. banana split church split i know i'm telling you these aren't that good um here's here's one (laughs) for us Um, you might be a preacher if instead of getting ticked off you get grieved in your spirit that's just a nicer way of saying it that's what happened to jesus if you remember in the bible but here we go and here's the last one that kind of leads us where we're going and uh Um, you're You're not supposed to laugh at this one. Just let you know right now, okay? But you might be a preacher if you contemplated writing a letter of resignation on a Monday. Leadership in general today is very hard. Leadership in general today is very, very hard. Leadership in the church... Is also very hard. There is an attitude, I think, of today that resists authority, and and um, one that says, "I would do it different. I wouldn't do it like them." But there's that there's that attitude that resists authority, not only in the world but also in the local church. Church leadership is hard, and, 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 and as I, as we talk and teach this morning, I don't want you to feel sorry for those in the ministry. The ministry is, is the most grandest um, position that God can ordain people to do and to be, and I tell you, um, um, I, I love being a pastor. I love being a pastor, and I, I wouldn't do anything else because I love being a I've I've got a I've got a calling in my life to be a pastor and all of our people and our staff has a calling to be to be in full-time ministry and 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 to be leading people in Jesus Christ our staff we wouldn't want to do anything else and and i don't want you to sit here and feel sorry but i want you to understand because because this whole thing is is the whole thing thing of this morning is i want you to to be in prayer for your leaders and and not just the staff but all the support staff and i want you to be in prayer for our deacons and and our and our trustees and, and all of those that are in formal leadership because listen to me leadership is hard and even in the local church it's hard you know, there's different people with with different ideas about different things, and somehow we gotta we gotta put that together and, and keep going forward in the name of Jesus Christ. And then there's days like this Monday that I walk into my office and I find a letter on my desk. You remember a couple of weeks ago in our small groups, they kind of had it in there that you know, you know you know, about your pastor and how they receive things. Well, I received a letter on my desk. And here's what it says. Why do we as church members have to be punished by the music here at the church? It's the worst music I've ever heard, and the music director, John, is no better. He looks and dresses like a slob. I have been a member at this church all of my life, and have never heard such awful music as we have now. We need to go back to the hymnals. The church is losing members on account of this music being so bad. Makes me sad. Is this is this Jesus Christ? Is it? Did this person pray before they wrote this stupid letter? I guarantee you they didn't. You won't talk about grieving. That grieves the Holy Spirit. Now, you can say all you want about your preference of this and your preference of that, but the spirit in this letter is awful. It's toxic. If you loved your staff, if you loved the man of God, you wouldn't be talking about him like that. We all got things that we like. But our focus shouldn't be on it being our preference. It should be on Jesus Christ. And it should be on loving one another. This, this, as your pastor, and I love all of you, and I even love the person who wrote this thing, but I I read it today because I want you to know we're not going to, this is not in Jesus. And 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 we're never gonna we're never gonna see people fully this church to be able to do what it can do in the name of Jesus Christ with this kind of toxic mentality. And I, visitors, I'm sorry this morning, but and we're glad that you're here, and we're gonna we're gonna preach on here. But 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 and, and this is this doesn't this doesn't speak of who we are as a church. This is something that we that we why we're going through what we're going through because we want to eradicate this type of Spirit. It's not right. It's it's not it's not godly. It's it's not in the spirit of Christ. Exodus chapter seventeen. The first slide I want you to see here and how you can be praying for us. Tommy, pick that up. I don't want nobody to get that. We just need to throw that away. The role and goal of church leadership, and staff and trustees and deacons and all you and leaders, I want you to listen because, because we need to be on the same page too, but the role and goal of church leadership is to model the local believers into a biblically functioning body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Everybody give the Lord a hand. We're, we're here, you know, called by God to mold us to not not, into, not just to a church, but into a biblical Functioning church. Now we all have got different philosophies of ministries, but but as the as the pastor, the lead pastor of the church, you know, we can't have 25 people setting a vision for this church. Can I have an amen? You got to be the pastor, and I'm your pastor, and I'm glad to be your pastor. You know, I was kind of thinking, and boy, I'm just going to go along today, but I'm but here we go. I was thinking that uh, you know, um, 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 Cornerstone has had four pastors. In the last 10 years. Not good. And I've, I've been pastor for three of those. And I'm going to be the pastor for another 30 years. I'm going to be 80 years old and a cane up here, and you're going to be listening to Brother Fox. But I'm just saying, uh, we, but it's our goal. But well, listen, we're going to, we're going to set, but, but, and it's my responsibility to set a vision for our church and for the, the staff to support and the leaders to support. And we all support and we all pray for one another. But our role as church leadership is to model the local believers into a biblically functioning body of Christ. We work together, listen, we work together to achieve the same goal. Despite our differences, we serve one another and those that are not here yet. Amen? We are believers. Look, we are believers with different gifts, different personalities, and different skill levels. These gifts, again, are not for you, but they're for others for you to use. A church leadership, a church's leadership... Is put into place to shape all of these different members. Remember, we're all part of the body of Christ. When we're saying members, some of you are the eyes, some of the ears, some of the feet, some of the nose. But we're, as leaders, we're to put you and to put all these different members into a body of people who utilize their differences yet work together to accomplish the goal. And that goal is to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is God and that he saves. So what is expected of us? Remember, we are commanded to love our church. We, are, we, we love by being functional, by being unified, by being selfless, and today by praying for our spiritual leaders. Now, um, you'll see in your small group this week, but I just want to just point out Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Are we supposed to pray for our spiritual leaders? Well, listen to what Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. So Paul's asking them, hey, let's pray for the work of Christ, but also remember, pray for me. Why? We'll get to that in a minute. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.25. Very short. He says, brothers, pray for us. In other words, whether he was with Timothy or whether he is or whether he was with um, Apollos or whether he was with 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 uh, Barnabas, whatever it was, he traveled with people, and he's saying, "Pray for us as we go out and are be we being spiritual leaders and planting and starting churches." So we see that it's biblical for us to pray for our spiritual leaders. Now, the reasons to pray for my church leaders. Now, we shouldn't necessarily need specific reasons to pray for our church leaders, but let me just give you three. There's many, but just to make it short this morning, I want to give you three of how you can pray for your spiritual leaders. Are you ready? Write these down. Write them down in the margin of your Bible. We're going to be here in Exodus and here in just a minute. But number one, the first reason is because leaders are likely to be attacked. Everybody? Everybody? Now, Satan watches for the right time to attack a leader. Usually his attacks come immediately following a victory or when a leader is physically or emotionally tired. The attacks can come from within the camp, the church, or from the outside. Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. Now, we we preached on on this text about two months ago, but I want to use it again this morning as an illustration, okay? Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They were in the wilderness. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses, and they said, why did you bring us us here out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried to the Lord, he's frustrated, he's hurting, he's tired. You see it here? And Moses cried out to the Lord, and he says, what am I to do with these people? And we know what Moses called them before and later he called these stiff-necked people, these quarrelsome people. He says, what do we do with them? He says, they are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord answered to Moses, and he said, go out in front of the people. I love this. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you stuck Struck the Nile and go. God says, I will stand there before you by the rock. You know, God's always with us. Amen. Um, he says, I will stand with you by the rock at Horb. Strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. And so Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place uh, the place of grumbling and contention because the Israelites, look at it, because the Israelites quarreled. And because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us? Hey, everybody look up. Moses was a great leader. Would you agree with that? But he was tired and weary from leading these people through the wilderness. And they were quarrelsome and they were a critical bunch. They were never satisfied with what God or Moses did for them. I mean, they even said at the very end, even after all the miracles, going through Egypt... And the manna, and and the and the fire by by night, and the smoke by day, and 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 all that they've gone through, and they sit here, and they ask, is God among us? And that sits up. Verse. Look at verse eight. What happens next? Moses is weary. He's tired. What happens next? In verse eight. Look at it. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Number one is that the first reason we need to pray—we need to pray for our leaders—is praise because they're, they're likely to be attacked. When you are spiritually and emotionally or physically drained, the devil sees it as an opportunity to attack. Listen, he did it to Jesus in the wilderness. He came to tempt Jesus after he'd been fasting for 40 days. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, you all know this verse. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil wants to attack the church leaders because he knows that if he can pull down a leader, he can do more damage than he can with anybody else. Amen? Church leaders are susceptible to all the temptations, listen, that everyone else is. As church leaders, we're not superhuman. We're special anointed, special called, but we're just human. We still have our flesh as well, you see. So if they aren't held up in prayer, they eventually get so worn out that they can stumble and falter and fail. We need to pray for our leaders. Amen? Every day. Pray for our leaders. Pray for your pastor. Pray for all your pastors. Pray for all of our leaders here at Cornerstone. Number two, we're going to go fast. Number two, the second reason to pray for your church leaders is because these leaders exist to inspire and guide. Everybody say amen. We are here because we are, are, we're, we're here to inspire you and encourage you and to set the vision of what God wants to do through Cornerstone in this local church, this body of believers. Look at Exodus chapter 17, verse nine. Look at it. Moses said to Joshua, he says, he says, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Look at it. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Look, Moses guided Joshua and the fighting men to where they needed to be and then moved to his position at the top of the hill. Now follow me close here. There are are several reasons that Moses needed to sit on that hill with the staff that God had given him. First of all, he needed to be able to observe the battle. Would you agree? Number two, he needed to be where he could be seen by the soldiers. Number two. Number three, most importantly, number three, Moses needed to lift his hands in prayer to intercede for the soldiers and the children of Israel for whom they were fighting. His prayers, listen, were the inspiration for victory. Moses understood the importance of leadership. He knew the principle of this maxim, the speed and health. That is, the speed and health of the leader determines the speed and health of the congregation, right? The people, listen, can go no farther than their leaders have gone. You can't go any farther than where we're going and, and we're to inspire you and to lead you, and so we need you to be praying for us. Amen. We need you to be lifting us up in prayer and and asking God to encourage us so that we can encourage you. Number three. Number three. Number three. The third reason that we need that we need prayer is is that leaders are vulnerable. Now, I know you think that I'm Superman, but I'm not. Um, I'm good-looking, better-looking than Superman, but I'm not Superman. (laughs) I'm humble, yes. But the third reason we need to pray is that leaders are vulnerable. Look at verses 10 and 12. Here it is. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill, verse 11. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained, remained steady till sunset. You know, it was necessary for everyone to do their part, everyone. Joshua with the, with the soldiers, Aaron and Hur, and Moses, all was necessary for that victory. Joshua and the army of Israel had to fight that battle. Moses had to intercede in prayer to God for their efforts, but notice also that Aaron and her played a big role. They assisted Moses because the work of inspiring and guiding was physically taxing for Moses. It shouldn't be a huge stretch of your intellect to understand that we as a church leaders are human, and therefore we have limits. And Sometimes we just need you to come and lift our arms up. Ministry's hard. Leadership's hard. And sometimes, instead of going home and complaining about this and about that, just lift up your leaders in prayer. Hold up our arms so we can do the inspiring and the encouraging in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's switch gears, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you to do something that's out of your comfort level. But it's going to help us to grow as a church. Are you ready? Get psyched up, all right? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. Hebrews chapter thirteen, verse seventeen. As your pastor, I'm inspired. I just want to. I want to. You know, we're just teaching that how we want to be the church that God would have us to be. To have the culture. Uh, that he wants us to have and to be all that we can be for him. And so we're just teaching. We want to to be a church that's, 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 that's unified, that is functional, that is selfless, and that we need to be that one that prays for one another. That's what God wants us to be, and we need to be obedient to his word. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. And here's what it says. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit. Notice there's no exceptions here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Submit to their authority. You know, we're not always going to agree on things, just like a husband or wife doesn't. But when, the, but when the day comes to the end, there's authority that we have to submit to, and we have to be unified amen have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority now I love this look at it because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account everybody look at me for just a minute well I'm glad I'm a pastor because I don't just call myself a preacher I'm I'm I, I love being a pastor you know um, this week I well it doesn't matter what I did this week but um, but do you know that that we as pastors or anybody in leadership, all of us, that, that when, when it's over with and done, we don't just give an account of our lives, our personal lives. When we get to heaven, when we get to the judgment seat of Christ, we have to give an account of being a leader in the ministry. That's heavy on me. Now listen to me. Not everybody takes it as serious as I do. But but the truth is is that we ministers have to give an account. We'll have to answer for all of our idle words, all of our actions when we get to the judgment seat of Christ. John, Sean, Sean, Michael, Matthew, listen, all of all of us, Adam, all of us, we have to give an account. That should scare you to death. It scares me to death. It scares me to death. Because I believe it's, I know it's real, and one day we're going to give an account for that. See, that's why you got to pray for your leaders. We, you know. But he says that we have to give an account. Now, notice the rest of it, and this is this is really the this is your part. Well, your second part. First, submit, and then look at it. It, it says, uh, "Do this. Who? The congregation. Do this so that their work." In other words, your leader's work, that's me, that's us, that their work will be a joy. And that, am I reading that right? Not a burden. Now, hold on. When you have things you're going through, you're not a burden to us, our job is to come alongside you. But when you don't submit, that's the burden that it's talking about in verse 17. That burden is talking about, about if you don't have that confidence and if you don't have putting yourself under that authority, then it becomes a burden. But when you are, then it's a joy. That's how that verse ties together. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden. Now look at the last part here. For that would be of no benefit to you. It's no benefit to you. If I'm like Moses with a bunch of stiff necks, there's no joy for you when I'm burdened down with that or when we're burdened down with that. We have that responsibility of having confidence and submitting. Is that what it says? So it can be benefit for you. You'll receive the benefit. Now, we as leaders are accountable not just to you but also to God. And again, that's a huge responsibility, and it's a very sobering and worrisome obligation to those who take it seriously, and I know that our people do. As leaders, we can't stand up under that kind of responsibility and accountability alone. We need some Aaron's and her's to pray for us. And all honestly, your leaders are going to fail you at some point. Listen, not moral, I'm just saying, we're not going to be perfect because we're still people, I know that I have done so and and I will do so again again, not the moral thing, but I'm just talking about I can't you know you know we make mistakes sometimes, but just in general and every leader can say the same thing, but that's the very reason that we need your prayers all leaders need support and that's what we're talking about here for a functioning church do the most it can do we need you praying for your leaders now I speak from the vantage point of a preacher and a pastor teacher, therefore I most identify with some statistics here and you're gonna see them this week in your small group, but I want you to look at this and just, just hit them just real quick here. But I want you to know, just pastors overall, um, 90% of pastors report report that they work between 55 and 75 hours per week. People always ask me, so what do you do for a living? They know I'm a pastor. What do you do for a living? My pastor. No, but really what do you do for a living? <laughs> no, it's full-time job. <laughs> Um, um, 50% feel unable to meet the demands of the job. 90% of pastors stated that they are frequently fatigued and worn out on a weekly and even daily basis. 80% of pastors feel discouraged in their roles as pastor. 80% in the United States of America. 71% of pastors are burned out beyond emotional fatigue. 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 70%. Eighty percent believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. I could tell you some doozies. Brother Fox, your daughter was following me this morning. I guess she was on the way to school, and she was too close to my car. You need to do something about it. (laughs) Yeah, that was a real, real thing. Brother Fox, your kids don't know to be doing what they're doing. They don't need to be. They don't. They, their their dresses don't. They they they're down by their knees. They need to go down by their ankles. Young lady, you you better straighten up. You're the pastor's daughter. Now we're going to talk about it here in a second, because because as pastors we're responsible. We got to be above reproach, right? But we need you holding our arms up. My kids, and we did a good job raising our kids. My kids would cry. They cry. Why do I have But They all grew up great, and they're all serving the Lord Jesus Christ today. Amen. Lift our arms up. 80 per, listen to this one. 80% because ministry is hard. It's all we're saying this morning. You need to pray for us. And pray for all of our leaders, 80%, 80% of seminary and Bible school graduates will leave the ministry within the first five years. It's hard. I'm telling you. It's, 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 that's why you've got to be called to the ministry. Because It's hard. Only 10% of pastors will actually retire. Only 10% that pastors will actually retire as a pastor. Only 10%. I'm going to be one of those 10%. <laughs> Over 1,500 pastors leave the ministry every month. Not That's the United States. And that's not every year. That's every month. 1,300 pastors are terminated by the local church every month. Probably some good thing. Fifty percent of pastors are so discouraged that they would leave the ministry if they could, but they have no other way of making a living. That's sad when you do that. You know, I've been through almost all of these. And I mention them only because I believe they just don't describe the experiences of preachers, but the experiences of all church leaders. So we're going to close with this. In our books that we'll be doing in our small groups, Rainer gives several areas in which we should pray for our church leaders. And if you can, make a list on the screen because I want this up. Just keep them all on one screen. Number one, first, pray for our families. Pray for their families. Don't just pray for the leaders. Pray also for the wives and for the children. Important. Those children and wives need your prayer. Sometimes it's harder on the. Sometimes it's harder on our families than it is for us because they have to make the sacrifice and living in that um, 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 glass house, if you will, it's difficult. It's hard. Number two, pray for protection for our church leaders. Now, First Timothy chapter three verses two and seven. Do we have that up there? Okay. Here's what it says. And now I want you to listen, especially our leaders. It says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect." Verse five, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must be a recent, he he must not be a recent convert, or he may become or may, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, those who aren't saved so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Quite a list. Quite a list. No human leader is perfect. But Scripture spells out that we need to have reputations above everyone else. Church staff, we've talked about it in our staff meetings. You may not like it. This is it. If you can't handle this, you got to get out that we have this reputation. I mean, we're going to fail because we're just human sometimes, but we have to accept this responsibility, and we need our church praying for us. It's hard. It's a big list. We must maintain good self-control and be sensible, respectable, and hospitable. We have to be gentle and not argumentative, and to add just a bit more pressure, our families have to reflect a healthy Christian family. It's in these, listen to me, it's in these areas the devil attacks. I'm telling you by experience. It's in these areas the devil attacks. The devil seeks to entrap church leaders. He deliberately looks for ways to subvert church leaders so he can derail the faith of church members and bring the church into disunity. Satan sees honorable church leaders as threats and works to take them down and out. And then third, this is it, pray for their physical and mental health. Pray for their physical and mental health. Serving and leading a church can expend all of the church leader's energy. We're on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Again, this is not a pity party thing. I'm just telling you so you know how to pray for us. We're on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day. You know, I can come to work on Tuesday morning, and I know what I need to get done, and within 30 minutes... All that's blown up, and I've got to go out somewhere else. You know, I, I get phone calls at six o'clock in the morning, Pastor. I need you over here. My mom's passing away. That happened Saturday. You know, you know, I put 700 miles on my pickup just this past week because of people in hospitals, people hurting, people counseling. You know, um, it's, it's 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 emotionally. St- we we need we needed to hold up our arms in a church. That loves in the church that God's going to use to do great and mighty things, be all that we can be. We're a church who lifts up our church leaders. Can I have an amen? Um, so we can lift you up. See, it's, it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, it's good for you that when you lift us up. So, what's the role and goal of church leadership? It's to mold the local church into a biblically functioning team. That's what you have. That's what we want to do. Amen. Amen. So at this time, I'm going to ask for. Um, um, I want to. I want to pray for. Our, I want to ask that our that our that our leaders just come up here just for just a minute, please. Come on up, Nolan, and take your take your place, please. And. Um, just pray for our, come on leaders, come on up. If you're upstairs, you're down here, come on up. Come on up. That's our deacons and trustees. Come on up. All of our staff, support staff, ministerial staff, everybody. Everybody, let's all stand right now, if we can, please. Let's all stand and, and um, let's kind of bow our heads. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. And um, so we're praying and we're, and we're teaching about being the church that God would have us to be. I love my church. And I love my church. I'm going to be functional. I'm going to be unified. I'm going to be selfless. But I'm also going to pray for my church leader. And the whole message this morning, I hope you didn't take it wrong. It wasn't my thing to make you um, feel sorry for us or to think that we got it so bad because we don't. We got it so good. We do. Amen, men, ladies that are church leaders. We got it great. But we need some hers and errands to hold up these arms of our leaders. So I'm going to ask you to come out of your seat and get with one of these people and pray for them. It's on the list of those three things that I want you to pray for. There's I'm going to make a screen. And I want you to to pray over these leaders and just pray for them. And, but I want you to make it a habit to pray for them, whether it's in your car, at work on your break, or whether it's at home. Pray for our leaders. So Right now, you come on up and everybody, don't stay where you're at. Y'all come on out and let's come up to the, let's come up here and let's love our church. Let's pray for our leaders. Come on, let's go. While Nolan plays a little bit, let's just take a time and pray, guys. Just find some people to pray with, leaders. Just find someone to pray with, please. All right, find someone to pray with. Can kneel. Kneel down together. You don't have to stand up and just have a word of prayer. Thank you.